I just hit record and I just start talking. And then at some point I will uh, edit this down. Is that what you want? It's really weird for you to stare at me like that. Makes me feel uncomfortable, that's why. So, you know, this is what it's going to be really like when we podcast is that I can get on the microphone and you could sit in that chair and we can just talk and record it. And then we just put it on the internet and see what people think. It's true. That's how it starts. So, okay, can you walk? Yes, you do. I think I need because you're my wife and I look for your uh, approval and this is not helping me. This is actually going to be the intro to the podcast. I know you support me, but it just feels odd. It's like when I got na- when you get naked in front of somebody for the first time, and you know they're watching you and they're measuring you up. You feel really vulnerable. That's how I feel right now. I'm metaphorically I'm metaphorically naked right now. I'm not really. What's up? Yeah, that's awkward too. First time you take a number two in your girlfriend's house. So, all right, thank you, sweetie. All right, so now we're gonna go ahead and get started. Uh, this is the uh, inaugural or first ever episode of the, uh, the Broke Dad Garage podcast, and uh, I'm your host, well, I'm Lachlan, and this is my podcast, and I'm here to talk about those things affecting any other uh, married uh, father that drives a mid-90s Honda, and uh, everything that encompasses in life, the struggle to uh, afford car parts, paying your mortgage, dealing with your kids, then everything that comes with it. The little bit of quiet time you may get in the evening to work on the car or getting up extremely early in the morning while the kids are sleeping to, uh, to get some wrench time. That's what we're going to talk about. But for this first episode, I wanted to kind of set a baseline um, to kind of let you know where I'm coming from as a man. And I'll be completely honest with you. I'm a guy that uh, grew up uh, in the, the 80s. My formative years were certainly in the 90s. I think I'm technically a Gen I think I'm technically a millennial. I think the Gen Xers ended in 79. Being born in 81, it's kind of a weird spot. I don't feel connected to the millennials in any form because I actually grew up pre-internet, which I think that's the delineation point where it really breaks apart the generations more than anything, I think. But I wanted to talk about something that um, I thought really long and hard about over the years. And I'm serious when I say over the years and that's my penchant for buying and modifying cars to the extent where, as of right now, at 36 years old, probably on my 12th or 13th car, I honestly can't remember at this point, it all started with the uh, 98 Civic hatchback back in Washington State. Uh, I was influenced by my buddy Dan and his 96 DX coupe, beautiful four screen, gray interior. It's fantastic. 98 Civic Hatch, Ford Focus SVT, Mazda Speed 3 and 6, Mugen SI, GTI, RSX Type S. Now, DC2 Integra Type R. Quite a bit. And honestly, if I read those out to any other person, We'll put them on a list. You'd say, is that a Gran Turismo lineup of cars? Uh, which is exactly where I think this stems from. So I, I originally coined the term Gran Turismo Tosis. But now I'm at the point where I... Well, first off, Gran Turismo Tosis sounds like halitosis. And uh, it's not a pleasant thing. So I thought, let's, uh, let's find some other way to describe this. So I'm going to call this the Turismo Syndrome. 
uh, influenced by Stockholm syndrome, where I think it's where you uh, you know you you fall in love with your captor, and in many ways that kind of fits because Gran Turismo to me. I still remember getting our PlayStation. My brother and I, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 90, 95, 96. Final Fantasy VII was our first game. The amazing story of Cloud Strife and Midgar. Sephiroth. All the good times that came with it. But then there was Gran Turismo. And as a child that grew up primarily playing with Micro Machines and Hot Wheels, and for you young guys that don't know what micro-machines are, imagine the perfectly chokeable-sized car for babies. They're probably about, oh, I'd say maybe half-inch long, maybe three-quarters of an inch. Tiny micro-machine cars, and all the commercials back in the 80s had this guy, the world's fastest speaker. If you look on YouTube, you'll find videos of this guy. And micro-machines were the shit. It was all the rage. It was those in Hot Wheels. And I loved those things, but it really didn't come to a head until... I could play video games with cars. Now, of course, OutRun existed. Uh, there were some different types of racing games in the arcade and uh, the, uh, the Ape and Nintendo. But Gran Turismo was something different, and I think you guys know what I'm talking about. You start off with the, uh, the cheap car, generally Honda Civic. E.G. Hatch was my preference. Maybe Unos Roadster, who knows. And then you race. You buy parts, you tune, and then you buy more cars. For many of us, we had no idea what the Subaru WRX STI was, Lancer Evolution. Certainly the Nissan Skyline was brought to us through Gran Turismo and Polyphony Digital. And over the years, through Gran Turismo 1, 2, and 3, we got used to the process of buying cars, racing cars, modifying cars, and then buying new cars. That's what it was. And it was fantastic. And somehow, I think that's conditioned me in many ways to do the same thing in real life. Now, my father would tell you, and many uh, financial advisors would tell you, that is a terrible idea to buy cars, buy parts for them, modify the car, and then sell it. Because as you know, as well as I do, uh, you're never going to get the money back. You put into a car, right? So what ends up happening is that you... Uh, you're, just, you're constantly losing money. It's a depreciating asset. So why are you spending money on it? Uh, and I honestly can't, the logical side of me cannot tell you why other than emotion. And I genuinely think that it's due to Gran Turismo. So I call it the Turismo Syndrome. And I can tell you with every car I've ever owned, it's been the same thing. It started with the 98 hatch. Bought a few parts, primarily on eBay because I was a broke 18-year-old. Started making a bit more money. Got the SBT. Modified that as well. Moved on from there to the GTI. Rinse and repeat. Once again, my friends, rinse and repeat. Up until this point, at 36, I am experiencing likely my midlife crisis early, and I'm now driving the car that I lusted for in high school. And uh, I can't tell you exactly why. And you know what's interesting, I think, if you, if you really think about Polyphony Digital's role, not only in the presentation of Gran Turismo series, through the years, but uh, the fact that they were tabbed to help uh, design the interface for the GTR, the Nissan GTR, when it was released in 2008, uh, it's really interesting that kind of that, uh, that crossover for them. And I think they did that because they realized that a lot of the market, the target market demographically for the GTR were, were eventually going to be those people that grew up playing Gran Turismo. 
So I'm curious, you know, I would love to hear uh, from you guys and gals uh, what kind of influence uh, Gran Turismo played in your life. I mean, certainly for me, it was it was a monumental uh, shift in how I saw vehicles. Certainly that, along with the opportunity to watch things like Best Motoring. And then Initial D, the anime Initial D, certainly played into it. But when it comes to the almost compulsion-like feel that it, it, it does feel sometimes, where you uh, almost every paycheck you think to yourself, what's the next part I can buy? What's the next part I can need? And it's not because we're out there racing the cars, you know, although some of us do get occasional times to do a high performance driving event or autocross or a track day. Many of us do not uh, rely on our cars to put food on the table in that sense. So really, what are we doing it for? And I often think about that. I often think about that quite a bit, and I think, at what point am I going to move on from it? And I don't know if I am. I've moved on from other things in my life. I used to be quite the avid video game player, and this last week I finally got rid of my PlayStation 4, and I did so because I just realized it wasn't something that interested me as much as it used to. I mean, certainly it was a big thing for me. I used to work at GameStop back before GameStop was GameStop. It's originally called Funko Land, a company out of Minnesota. I believe it's Minnesota. But it was a big part of my life. And then eventually as I grew up and I had responsibilities and commitments, things begin to fall off the plate. But one thing that's never fallen off the plate, and I don't know if it will, is the, uh, is the car, is the automobile. And right now I'm in the position with the Integra Type R as I finally have the car that I've been dreaming about uh, since I was probably 17, 18 maybe 16, 17. I remember uh, at the age of 20, 19 or 20, I was living with my first girl, my first girlfriend, my first living girlfriend. Of course, my parents, uh, my parents thought it was a terrible idea, and in hindsight, they were right, but uh, I remember uh, we used to have this Dell desktop computer, and on it, as my backdrop, my wallpaper was a, uh, a DC2 in Phoenix Yellow, of course, with uh, JDM front end. And Spoon SW388s, looking fantastic with the spoon lip. And uh, and that's what I wanted. And I thought maybe one day, maybe one day, maybe one day. And uh, years passed. Marriages happened. Divorces happened. Marriages happen again. You change jobs. You keep grinding. You have kids. You have two kids. You have a kid. Then you have another kid. And then finally, through hard work, opportunities present themselves and you got to grab it. So, so that's, that's something that, you know, is, is, uh, is something that I often think about is at what point will I move on from this? And perhaps I won't. And, uh, perhaps I won't. And it wasn't just cars that Gran Turismo, you know, introduced to many of us. It was also, uh, a lot of the tuning houses, uh, spoon, Mugen, uh, mines, when it comes to things like, I still can remember the Mines, Lancer Revolutions, the Mines Skyline, uh, I'll see TRD, Top Fuel. There's just some amazing influences that took place. And, so, and same with the wheels. For example, Volk. Uh, predominantly, I think of Volk and Rays. And uh, what I really think about, which is interesting about Rays, I don't know if you guys follow Rays on Instagram. I've begun to, you know, with Instagram, it's a pretty powerful tool, obviously, to uh, to stay in touch with things that you give a shit about. And one thing I've done uh, is follow Rays because I'm a fan. They're well known for their uh, what E37s, 
SE 37s, uh, more TE 37s, and more TE 37s. It's almost like they just put out any, randomly uh, more TE 37s, SLs, SK. I don't even know idea at this point. But um, what I've been finding really interesting as of late is their uh, their introduction of some of the strangest colorways uh, that I've I've seen in a long time. It's um, and colorways is a term often used for the sneaker game. I always dabbled in the sneaker game sometimes, but uh, the the line of it must be the new fad in 2018 is to equip your car with three thousand dollar pink uh, pink gram lights uh, and or bright neon green. Uh, it's it's just a very strange look. I know it's a lot of it's for the American market, the U.S. market, especially the Graham Lights line. A lot of those new designs, like the 57DR and the 57CR, uh, are really designed for the U.S. market more than anything. And I, you know, God bless Rays and and their desire to to make an impact. And they're a legendary uh, brand when it comes to the import market. And although they're transitioning as well into, I see the tr- a lot of trucks. Um, you know, we just purchased recently a uh, Toyota 4Runner. And there's been a lot of Instagram posts about uh, the TE37s on Forerunners and other types of off-road vehicles, and I'll, I would be a liar if I said that I wasn't thinking about possibly one day getting a set of bronze TE37s for the uh, the white Forerunner that we have. So it's just I find it really interesting that they've they've gone down this route. Um, I think for for a lot of us, um, for me personally, my, philosophically, when I think about uh, the mid '90s era. Hondas and Acuras, and uh, it's it's kind of fight striking a fine balance uh, when it comes to modifying those cars and being period correct. Um, And unfortunately, I think a lot of the designs for a lot of the wheels that are coming out just don't fit, Uh, and that's what makes the uh, the wheel game very difficult to navigate. Right now, again on Instagram, I follow a lot of wheel. Uh, suppliers, uh, resellers, if you will, of used racing wheels. And that's one fantastic thing about, about wheels is that um, they hold their value. If you, uh, if you invest in a good set of TE37s, as an example, um, you're not, it's not really, it's a depreciating asset in some respects, but as long as you keep them clean, uh, there's definitely some, some return on that investment. Um, certainly, there are certain styles that literally could be seen as investments. You get them right, you get them early, and they go up in price. No one expected, uh, for example, uh, Mugen F- MF10s. The values on those are incredibly high, even in the used market. The SW388s by Spoon. Although they've come out with a new offset in size for the new FK8 Civic Type R, you're still looking. Uh, like, for example, I'm still looking for a set that would fit the Integra Type R. Um, but uh, they're not easy to find, and the prices are still fairly steep. So, uh, again... It's something I have to plan on saving for. Uh, I think it will look fantastic, but again, it's not something that's so readily available. One of my favorite wheels of all time. I've actually had two sets on two def- different cars in my past, and that's the Oddvon RC2. It is a very difficult wheel to find in a 15-inch. Um, another difficult, difficult uh, offset to find in a 15 inch is a 5 by one fourteen point three, and that's what I didn't really appreciate when I picked up the Type R not that this influenced my buying decision in any way but uh, the 4 by 100 offset is is it's ubiquitous um, there are many 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 options for those looking for wheels in the 4 by 100 but in a 15 
by whatever width in a 5 by 114.3 bolt pattern, it's extremely difficult. And that makes it very, very frustrating because there are many styles that I'm interested in, but unfortunately, you can't find them in the proper size that you need. My son is literally watching the original Tron right now. If you guys have never seen the original Tron, it's fantastic. My six-year-old son loves the original Tron. It's fascinating to me. What about that movie he loves? Um, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But that's it, guys. This is the first the first podcast uh, of the Broke Dad uh, Garage. Um, thanks for listening. Feel free to post comments, criticisms, questions. I'm going to talk about everything and I will talk about anything within reason. Um, but thanks for watching. Uh, feel free to reach out through the YouTube at uh, Broke Dad Garage. Take care.